0: Good evening. How are you, sir? Good, Ryan. Just waiting for Logan to log in. Yep. So we can start talking a little bit because we're recording. Welcome to Let's Grow Pulling. We're going to have the great Logan Thomas on tonight with Big Ryan and I. And we're going to talk about pulling sleds. And we're not going to make fun of what happened in Pennsylvania because we all know accidents happen. But we're going to talk to Logan about what safety features they run on the decision-maker sleds. Maybe that so something like this doesn't happen, get a little more automated, Brian. I know last night you were talking about some of the European stuff that they have auto- auto trips, and yep. different things like that, but I am excited to see that um uh Stacy look it must have been Jeff's wife messages us on Facebook says Jeff yep. is okay, but stiff and sore,
1: so yep, I saw that just a second before I hopped on cool, so that's so, that's the best possible outcome that could have come from this
0: yeah 100% agreed yeah right now Zolik and Leroy Schroeder are doing a Facebook live for let's grow polling and they're talking about the weekend and they just showed the video there so there was and I think at the end of the day we just uh safety first you know what I mean and like I talked to you yesterday and when you were driving home from uh, Nash Vegas I basically said you know I was in Viroqua Saturday night and I had to go down in the track and Tell people they had to stand back. You know, you can holler at them over the microphone all night long. But yep. um, some of the facilities we go to don't have all the concrete barriers, or or maybe all the way down. They're not set up for you know a lot of these fairgrounds. Ryan have demo derbies, uh, race tracks, and a tractor pull all within three days of each other. So it's hard to get everything moved back together and stuff like that. So.
1: Yep. Yep. i
0: want gonna message Logan on the old messenger. So what do you got coming up? What do you got going on?
1: Uh, This week is, um, well, I'm home for most of the week. Um, On Saturday, I am going to go two places. I'm going to probably leave. uh, I'm shooting the hook at Bedford, uh, which is a Northwest Missouri tractor pullers association hook. It's their final hook of the year. It's in Bedford, Iowa. And I do hope you'll join me. Um, I know you can't Jason. You're off the hook. As a matter of fact, uh, Roberts, Brent Roberts called me this morning and says, what do you think uh, it would take to uh, get Jason to come down? I said, probably an act of God. (laughs) So, and I told him, I told him why, because he, um, he was looking for an announcer. So
0: that would have been fun.
1: It would have been a blast. It would have been a real good time. Um, but uh, I, I think he was going to talk to Ron or um, Chris Kripke Yeah. So guys that we both know very very well and yeah. enjoy working with. But uh, so I'm going to go and do that. Um, but I think I'm going to leave a little bit early, and I think I'm going to go to Farmall Land one more time. This no, that's deep. closing soon. That closes on Sunday. So this. I have
0: seen a ton of like, I mean, Esden Lane's been out there and Vinny's have been out there and I have seen so many, you know, social media things. So I'm glad that people are making the trek.
1: Yeah. Colin Ross tried to, um, I think it was when he was uh, uh, out for Rock Valley, he uh, went and he tried offering Jerry some money to take some things home. And Jerry said, no. So Colin left and he had kind of a sad face when he left, (laughs) you know, He'll have his his chance because one of my friends uh, and one of our Tractor Zoom auction partners, um, Ken Gerard with Gerard Auctions, uh, is going to be handling the dispersal. And he's selling pretty much everything wall-to-wall plus the uh, acreage. And uh, so once things finally get, you know, once the door finally shuts for the final time, um, Ken's got kind of a monumental job. Uh, in front of him because he needs to catalog all that. And if you've never been out to Farmall land before, uh, there it's wall-to-wall tractors. There's 150 plus tractors in there at any given time. The collection is about 220, uh, but they kind of rotate a few in and out. And there is a ton of memorabilia. There are everything from dealership banners to newspaper articles to um, full-pull magazine articles. Um, There is a row of, or three rows of hats. All of them, every single one of them having to do with either tractor pulling or NASCAR, uh, most of them tractor pulling so they've got like every hat from every single bowling green ever
2: and
0: i think the great logan had just joined us right
2: hey, i logan. just figured modern technology
0: uh, well you are from the east coast
2: so. <laughs> easy
0: easy
1: well you're starting early jason
0: well it's because i like him
1: you know i i did i in all honesty and then and you know in all fairness to you you did delay the start of this podcast for 15 minutes so you could go to Starbucks.
0: I did. Actually, I, I just ran a quick trip instead because I knew you guys are going to be winding and picking on me. Well,
1: we're still <laughs> going to pick on you because you, we think you're uh, only about a pair of Ugg boots and maybe an infinity scarf away from, uh, you know, being everything pumpkin spice and being pretty basic. <laughs>
0: So I know what Ugg boots are, but I do not know what infinity scarves are. So I think if we're going to play games and make fun of each other, we should use things that we all understand.
1: You know what, Jason? I will send (laughs) you infinity scarves because Kara's got like 40 of them. Okay. And I expect you to wear one. Gordyville, you can wear it with your funny hat. I'm not afraid. I know you're not. That's the
0: thing that's terrifying. I'm not afraid. Logan, welcome to our Let's Grow Pulling podcast. Ryan and I started this up. A couple weeks ago, our good buddy Ryan Zolik still does the Facebook Lives, but ever since the COVID, he moved to Illinois and I haven't seen him since March. So um, he's been doing the Facebook Lives and you have been pulling sleds all over the summer. What's your summer been like? Well, first of all, I know who Logan Thomas is. Roos knows who Logan Thomas is, but can you tell everybody out there in the podcast world who you are, where you live and what you do? What Talk about the decision makers sleds, please.
2: Uh, well, most of the time when I go somewhere, I'm just a guy from North Carolina that talks funny, that shows up with a sled, <laughs> but,
1: and we uh, love you for that.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, first summer I went to New York, I got, I actually turned 22 that summer and I drove up with a semi and a sled. And when I said the first 10 words, that was, that really got goofy on some of those guys. But anyway, uh,
0: Logan, how long have you been running sleds?
2: Uh, well, I just turned 30 and I started, uh, on dad's old sled when I was probably 14.
0: Wow. 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 That is insane. That is insane. So in light of what happened in Pennsylvania on Saturday night, and again, we're not going to get into whose fault and all that stuff, but can you talk to me about, I guess, safety on the sleds and where we are and like what you know, I guess basically we want you to have a voice and we want to, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and we want to hear it from a sled operator. You know I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to do anything controversial at all. Ryan, and I talked about that you agreed to come on because there's going to be lawsuits and everything else, like you said, but what, what message do you want to get out there to the polling world and about, about pulling sleds basically. Cause every time something like this happens, Logan, you know what, you know, all the chatter, I'm sure you guys have been, on the phone hard since sunday morning or even saturday night
2: yeah i was actually pulling saturday night and and uh another guy there we were all on a group message on facebook and he was sitting there on the loader and he hollers at me and he says hey he says, have you seen your facebook messenger i said well no i'm trying to pay attention to what i'm doing here and he says well, you, he says we change weights again you need to look at that and i looked and after my i put my eyeballs back in my head i said I just looked straight at Chad. I said, that's not good. (laughs) And I mean, like you said, that's a big open book and I don't really want to get into much of the details of stuff because who knows what will come about with that. Um, I know just roughly in the past, there has been major accidents like that, that turn into legal battles that can go on for several years and, I, you know, I don't want to get into none of that. And I wasn't We're at, the, I, yeah, I wasn't at that event. I didn't see it with my own eyes. And you know, everybody can look at pictures and videos on Facebook, but that's not like being there. Uh, right. And everybody, you know, like, everybody wants to make comments and slam this person and slam that person. And and while I can, I've had some hairy rides. I've never had anything that was real. There's anything that bad. I hope I never do. But until you're the person sitting in the seat, you can sit there and say, Oh, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. But until you're the person sitting there, you don't know what you would have done. So,
0: right. Oh, uh, it happens so fast. Yep. It right. happens so fast. Right. And the good news, Logan, and I don't want to cut you off because I do that enough as it is to Roos. But his wife did message us on Facebook tonight and said he's stiff and sore, but he's doing okay. So, well, that's, you know, obviously, that's, I mean, we all say that's the most important thing. I have not heard how the SUD operator is, um, or anything like that. I don't know if you've heard anything, any updates. As far as I've heard, no major no major injuries. So
2: Yeah, I, that's the same thing I heard. Everybody walked away pretty much unscathed and and really with looking at some of the pictures of how it all ended up there. The only thing I could think was is uh, you know, that's bad, but for everybody to get out of that with all their fingers and toes. Uh, I think that might have been a little more than just pure luck. I think that might have been, you know, somebody up above watching out for some of that.
0: Yeah, we call that divine intervention.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Because I saw that, there's that one post. That's, that rope was bent down. just from that picture that I've seen, so.
2: It looked like the tractor was broken in half, and that was the first yeah. thing we thought was, "Where's the steering wheel?" Yep. <laughs> but uh, but know. to the but to the point. Um, yeah,
0: to the point. Let's talk sled safety. You know, and there's, and I will tell you real quick because uh, I like to talk. As a promoter, you know? right? And you're putting on a brush pull or something like that, or you're putting on a pull. You call it. You call you call around to get different sleds. You say, "How much do you cost? How much do you cost?" And most of the time, you know, unless they have a relationship, they go with the cheapest sled and. And I want to bring that to the attention of people, you know, because like Logan, give me a price range of what what you guys charge to go to an event. Or do you not want to get into that? Or is it pretty is it pretty well public knowledge of what like the big sleds like what you guys charge? Uh,
2: Over here in my part of the world, it's pretty ballpark. If you if you're within, I'll say, 100, 150 miles or so of home. Uh, the sled and the scales and the measuring system and everything for a typical four hour show is usually somewhere in like that $2,000 range for one night
0: okay that's that's what I'm used to seeing too so yeah. perfect And that, but I don't think the fans understand that you know what I mean So.
2: oh yeah yeah I think some of those folks think, they think we got a quarter million dollar machine and we're there charging $10,000 that night or something no it not- don't work like that
0: you have a quarter but, million
2: dollar machine, but you're not charging ten thousand dollars. So no, but I even there's been some chatter on social media and stuff about all oh, these sleds should be inspected. Well, uh, let's just go to the brass tacks here. There are two sled associations in in the United States. The one that most of that me, myself, uh, my dad's old sled, Richard, all of us, and most of what you see. Is with the North American Sled Owner Sled Operators Association. And uh, that, is, that was the first one. That was the one that uh, Dave Hager and all the guys formed in like 85. And it's still today. Uh, that's where, when WPI decided that they needed to be inspecting and doing their own sled stuff, they pretty much copied the rule book and everything straight from NASOA and all the sleds under that even and that's from garden tractor sleds all the way up to the level eight sleds that you see on television um we all get inspected every year uh i won't say his name it's a sled inspector but he makes his rounds during the winter months and comes around and and checks on our stuff and makes sure everything is working and and all that stuff and of course, that's one day in the wintertime, you know. Now, he may come by and you may tear something apart between the time he leaves till the time you go to your first pull four months later. But it was inspected that day. It's checked off on the list and it's good to go. Uh, now, certain organizations and Ohio State Tractor Pullers is one that's that's really uh, particular. Uh, most of the time, they do a, sled inspe- a short sled inspection, at least for safety features, uh, just a few hours before each event. They'll check to make sure that your brakes work, your red lights come on, your kill switch works, your pan drop works, and uh, box brakes work, and all that stuff. And and that's the best thing that there is to do with sled safety as far as someone other than the sled owner or operator checking it is for the association to have somebody there that knows what they're looking at, knows what to check for, and to go over that stuff, like I said, just a couple hours before the show. Because just because it worked at home, when you even if, if you left the day before and rode 500 miles to go to a pool, if everything works when you left the yard, anything mechanical can and will give trouble sooner or later. And you know, you drive 500 miles down the road, and it it worked yesterday, but you hit the button and it may not work today. But you know, if it's something as simple as a toggle switch or a button, you know, you check it a few hours before the show. Oh, well, I need to fix that. Well, then you're not on the middle of the track, you know, scrambling trying to do something right before a show, or God forbid you need that safety function and you hit the button and oh, it don't work.
0: Yeah. No. So, so the NAS, is that, do you guys pay like a yearly fee to have this done? Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: You pay an inspection fee every year. Uh, and it's just like, it's just like, uh, organization pulling organization license or membership fees. The later you wait, the more they charge you because it's more inconvenient. Right. And then, uh, the insurance is all just, Everybody knows NTPA is all insure, insured through K and K Insurance from Indiana. Right. Yep. Well, the Sled Association is too, and we get five million dollars of coverage per sled. And uh, I I don't remember all the specifics. It's on the uh, certificates and stuff. Right. But uh. But yeah. So, each each.
0: No, go ahead, Logan. Sorry.
2: I uh, each each sled carries its own policy and everything, and uh, that pretty much covers that is supposed to cover the fact of just like pure negligence or stupidity on my part as an operator or something. Like if I, if I'm unloading the sled and I it's dark in the pit area or something, and I back into somebody's pickup, then that's what that type of thing is supposed to cover. Or even for highway travel, I'm pretty sure it covers that. So, but here a few years ago, K and K also gave us a packet of stuff. That has, uh, if you go do a brush pull, like everybody's used to with big pulling, you know, you go enter and you go print and sign the waiver form to get your armband, you know, to be on the track for a hot pass or something. Right. Well, K&K started giving all of us a, a print and sign waiver for sleds. Like if you go to a small brush pull somewhere that they may not be doing that with armbands, they want all participants to print and sign, you know, for hooking to that sled. So in the case there is an, is an accident or an incident that you know hey you signed this paper you pretty much agreed that you're uh you are acknowledging the fact that you're participating in a somewhat dangerous motorsport. you know and then from that is where it starts getting interesting on the legal side and as long as you don't have a problem you don't have to worry about that right but the best thing is most guys i know with a sled um your sled business depends on your reputation. It's the fact that you, and yeah, you can hire the guy that's close to you that's cheap, and he's got an old sled that he bought from somebody, and he rebuilt this and redone that, and yada, yada, yada. But if he shows up that day, and he's got to reset every class two or three times, or he's got to have a pull-off in every class, or you pull two vehicles and something breaks and you work on it for 30 minutes, You know, yeah, you save some money by getting him there that day but your crowd's all mad. Your pullers are all ticked off and what little bit you thought you saved is going to cost you a whole lot more in the long
0: run. Yeah. Cause I'm telling you flat out, people remember a bad sled from year to year more than anything else. Anything else.
2: For sure. (laughs) Yeah. When we, when we do everything right and, and do a good, a good night's work, you might get one or two pullers come by and say, and most of the time they're just the guys that won. They'll come by and say, Hey, that was, that was a good job. You know, had fun tonight. But you let one bad night happen, just like what Saturday night happened, and you'll have everybody that's on online will be bashing that guy, even though they might not have a clue about what actually happened.
0: Yes, sir. So WPI, so the NTPA sleds aren't part of that NASO thing? They just have their own deal?
2: Yes. They started uh, doing their own inspections, I want to say 2005,
0: okay so like when i see like a level eight sleds for sale or 11 six sleds for sale is that pretty much industry wide with all the sled guys or is that something just for wpi or just for the NASA thing uh
2: i i know the level stuff is level one through eight for naso um i don't think wpi actually has a full uh scaling system like that uh they do have restrictions for a large sled if it doesn't have particular driveline components they'll restrict it where it cannot look. a pro stock or super semi or a modified mod. tractor a mod tractor any larger than a than three engine two or three engines on the uh, regional type level
0: sure can you go sense.
1: can you go through those the the classifications at least of the sleds that most of us would see on an annual basis if we're you know out and about to you know either ntpa regional or grand national or ppl champs tour midwest western series what kind of sleds are those
2: folks seeing uh if you go to your local county fair and they're pulling garden tractors at night you're probably going to see a level one or two maybe even a three type sled i think a And don't quote me on this because I don't have the book right in front of me. But I I know one and two is garden tractors and maybe like uh, V8 mini rods or something. Somewhere around like a three or four, I think. Maybe a three is allowed for like blown small block minis. And then a four, I believe, is allowed for a national level mini. And like absolutely like stock pickups and antique tractors up to a certain size. And then a five, now level five, if you see a Bauer-built mini sled or, uh, let's see, I'm pretty sure, I know all the Bauer-built sleds are level five mini sleds, and I'm pretty sure near passes and Mark Bingham's are also fives. Any type of your Grand National type mini sled is probably a five, and that allows you to pull blown minis, uh, single engine modified, like econo mod type tractors, yep. uh, light, hot farms, I think up to like 6,500 pounds, uh, farm stock and antique tractors up to about 10,000 pounds or so. And like, a, like a hot street type gas or diesel pickup, but like a pickup has to be still has tags like license for the, for the road. Yep. And then a five is kind of the breaking point between small sleds and big sleds a okay so six. the
1: so the up to class five those are going to be your short your shorter wheelbase sleds they might have a single axle
2: correct okay and then now there may be some antique tractor type sleds it might be fives that are actually look like a big sled but maybe because of the drive line or just they got a small pan or they just don't weigh that much or something. They may be restricted to a five. Like it may be a cable drive on the box instead mm-hmm. of a roller chain. But, uh, and, and, I'm not picking on nobody's sled in particular. I'm just going over. So what I do know, if I don't know something for sure, I'm, I'll say, don't quote me or, or, you know, I'm not sure. Yep. But, uh, I know a stick now you're talking about a big sled. Uh, and usually a, level six sled can pull like super farms and and like a single blown engine mod or or you know modified four-wheel drives and like three o diesel pickups and and stuff like that. i think even a street semi and just this past year they split the level sixes and they made like you got a regular level six and then you had our six r which was like a restricted six and i think they took street semis away from street semis and super farms away from those but I don't I didn't go to sled meetings, so I don't remember what all the stipulations were to that. Mm. Um, then you go to a level seven, uh, which is actually now my I keep saying dad's old sled. My father owns one of the old original thumb sleds from Michigan that everybody that ever watched USHRA pulling and a lot of NTPA stuff from the late 80s. Uh, you saw the thumb bomb sleds the uphill ramps and they were some of the first ones that were self-propelled at a small block Chevrolet it still does um his sled
1: what number was it now we're reaching back because I'm from
2: Michigan uh the one dad bought was number 11 now the most popular ones were number eight and nine that they kept themselves yep um those were the ones you've seen on all the United States hot rod monster truck shows and stuff like that uh, but 11 was, it was built just like it. Now it, mm-hmm. it's still got somewhat of its basic shape now, but like the operator sits up top on the back now, instead of tucked in on the side behind the wheels and the box going past you. <laughs> uh, yep. We, we rebuilt it here a few years ago. We built a whole new pan for it, changed some of the driveline stuff, actually put down pressure on the pan for push down for the first time. And uh, just got it where you, got it where it would get up and go a little bit faster and do what it's supposed to do to stop and, and making it dependable. Um, that, like that sled for us is a level seven. Um, the, like the track patrol sleds in Wisconsin are level sevens. And I, Mike Praczynski, I, I Snapchat him all the time. Uh, they've got some really good equipment, even though they're only a level seven that they're for what they do up there. They just don't need anything with that, big expensive clutch and gearbox and stuff in it and they do a lot of state level pulling and and they do great with them yeah i've stood around well he came to georgia last year that diesels and dark corners thing we stood around had a few lattes and he's a heck of a nice guy so you're a six and a seven and then you're eight a level eight is anything that like the the iron man sleds the x-factor sleds decision maker uh Old Ironsides, Lowries, uh, any—I call them flat rail sleds. Uh, any of them like that, that the rails are flat, the cabs on the top at the back, uh, the big—they—and even there's some sevens that look like them, but they're not the full blown deal. Uh, it's all in the driveline. A level eight sled must have a—it's called a Nixon air clutch—and. Some people call it a clutch. Some people argue and call it a connecting device. Uh, It is air-powered, and it's got all kind of little kick-out springs in it. But when it locks together, it's got little teeth. It almost looks like little saw blades in there that that push together. And it will not give. If you ever see a sled uh, make a run, and at the end of the run, the operator gets out of the cab, and everybody's looking around because the box chains are slumped down in the frame rails, Uh, It's because when the box got to the front, the clutch didn't disengage. And because the drive lines in those are made to take everything you can throw at them, uh, nothing gives. And the first weak link is those big 140 box chains. And, yeah, they're – I mean, it's like a big bicycle chain, but it's huge. The link on it's about two and a half, about two inches wide. But when those clutches don't give and don't release, it's kind of like having hay baler twine in there. They'll pop out and – then you spend about two hours putting them back together and then try to figure out what broke them in the first place. Right. Um, but you got to have that, that clutch is a stipulation for a level eight. Um, most of the level eight sleds use a full, a, a Larry Peterson ProFab uh, gearbox for yep. changing this box speeds. And that's of course, that's a fully, you know, custom made billet case, very tight tolerance gearbox. You know, it's not some old, wore out sloppy five speed or 10 speed out of a out of a semi out of a junkyard somewhere you know that was it's not a million mile road ranger exactly (laughs) which there's nothing wrong with those as long as you're doing certain things but when you hook 10 12 or even more thousand horsepower to one you you better be sure that it's going to hold you don't want to worry about her popping out of gear Uh at 35 mile an hour (laughs) So, the clutches, the uh, gearboxes, and the third thing to the driveline to those is actually uh, a, uh, a billet drive axle that is in between the rails. Um, and, like on a Bower sled or anything else, they're tucked back. They're on the back of the frame rails, back underneath the cab. And uh, there is no differential in those, it's stuffed in a SQHD housing. But there is no spider gears, there's no carrier, there's no differential. That is one solid three-inch shaft that runs all the way through with a sprocket, either splined or welded or keyed or however you want to attach them to the drive axles that's mounted on big pillar block bearings on the back of the frame rails there. And the drive shaft comes in the front of it, there is a ring gear and pinion but there is no carrier that ring gear is bolted directly to that three inch shaft on a flange. It's all made together. And that way it drives each side equally. There's no chance of it, you know, breaking a spider gear or the chains getting one out of whack from the other. They both drive equal.
0: So it's almost like spiders, like a rear end of the pulling tractors. So
2: yeah, you just take that part out. Uh, if anybody with four-wheel drive trucks, if you've ever done the Lincoln Locker thing with your with your differential for either front end or back end, uh, it's same principle. You just take all that out. There's nothing there. It's just a ring gear bolted to a big shaft. So, and I actually, I'm I I'm, I just misinformed you because near passes near pass is white. Well, now it's got a Lucas Oil wrap on it uh humiliator number 15 is actually is a level eight and it does have a road ranger transmission up front so i that is not a requirement to be a level eight i'm i misspoke there um, you're but about I to know, make one mistake i'm
1: sure it doesn't have a million miles on it dan. no it does and not if you,
2: if you know dan and craig and they been around them they got good running stuff too yes, <laughs> they're like they all, all the rest they're like all the rest of us theirs is a little different than the typical Bauer and Bungart and Bungarten Love sleds, but but it's, it's pretty cool, honestly. I, I usually see Craig every year at, uh, at Goshen, and uh, they got good stuff.
1: Agreed. I grew up watching some of those sleds along with the Ellenbaum sleds.
2: But so. anyway, Dude, I'm great. like Schultz, I talk too much. No, back no. Whole- I'd
0: rather, people rather listen to you than listen to me anytime. It's normal. I just have to, I just have to tee you up and start drinking my right. coffee.
2: Well, so- and so back to the point of all this, to the safety and everything else, I, I said, we all run on reputation. So, you know, we, pullers depend on us to do what we're supposed to do. Promoters depend on us to put on a good show. Uh, and above all of how fast we can get something to go and still stop in the range we want it to be. We don't want to tear anybody else's stuff up. We don't want anybody to tear our stuff up. And above all, we don't want anybody hurt. So a responsible, and I'm not saying anybody that's ever had a sled wreck is irresponsible. So don't quote me on that either. But those of us that maybe study this and put a little more effort into it than Maybe some sane people should. Uh, We check stuff. I mean, I've been at brush pulls before, and they just be ready to hook the first truck, and I'll go check my own kill switch to make sure it works. And I'll sit there and run the box up and make sure my pan drops and my push down goes off. Everything like it, at least give it one dummy run before we hook something to it. So what do you see as...
1: Potential safety innovations. Actually, let me let me back that up. Um, I know some of these European sleds have a a an electronic backup uh, that's built into them, and I I I don't know exactly how it works. I suspect it's probably something of a wheel speed sensor that that's calibrated to box travel, and if those two aren't within a, ta- a, a an acceptable range, it figures something's out of whack and it pulls the kill switch um do you see that becoming a mandate on on all sleds here in the
2: in the future as a you know going forward thing me personally i hope it does not for the cost factor now and i can sit here and say that but i don't know what that stuff costs either now somebody may come up and say it's not and give me a price and it may not be nearly as expensive as i thought it was but the re- the standard functions of a sled, whether it's kicking the clutch out of gear, dropping the pan, or putting the push down on, is all worked by a twenty dollar micro switch, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> anything electronic, mechanical, air, hydraulic, whatever it may be, and I know I, them guys over there—they are all about their box control systems. Uh, oh boy, they, are
1: they ever! I've learned I learned that in about thirty-six hours on the internet.
2: Right, uh, I don't know that the same comments
1: I, that I have.
2: Correct, and and me and you probably don't know any more or less about it than the other does right now. Right. Um, they at first I think they gave them some fits over there. Uh, I haven't really heard any of them complain about them in recent years, but you know, you're still putting faith in something electronic or something to work correctly. Uh, And I think even old Brian Neal had a good, had a good point. I mean, they do most of their Euro cup stuff over there that those sleds have to have that stuff for they're running. Yeah. They might run three days a weekend, but they still got three or four days in between going to the next show in County fair season over here. We don't get that luxury a lot of times in, in July and August right it's bang
0: bang. it's bang bang
2: correct and you know even toggle switches and stuff from one day to the next i mean yeah it's only takes a few minutes to fix and change one but everything has a limited number of times it's gonna work right so
1: and furthermore you have to have it with you when it breaks because guaranteed when it breaks
0: you're not you gonna be close, close to home it. right
1: you're, yeah you're seven hours from home and napa doesn't have one and you know the auto zone guy doesn't understand that you know that it's the same switch that comes from xyz pickup truck right he can't get that get that through his head and so
2: you don't have a part right and i some of us carry more spare parts than the others and it don't matter, you can carry every spare part with you but one, and you can go to a pool, and that'll be the only thing that breaks if you don't have one of with you. It's just like it's like Murphy's Law. It, it's just yep. going to happen. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, to me, it seems like the, the cost might be a, a an issue. I mean, we put – I don't think the electronic part of it, as far as putting it on the sled and setting all that up, I don't think – that doesn't scare me personally, as much as it might someone like my 68 year old father who has a flip phone and, you know, I've done good to get him to remember to press the button three times on an agratronics box. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying that they don't have a good purpose, but. But the implementation may be difficult. Yeah. Especially with. I mean, like I said, I'm 30 years old. My dad's 68, and, and he, his, his idea of fixing something electric is with a, uh, a, a butt connectors and a pair of wire crimpers and a test light. You know, you give him a multimeter, and he's lost. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, whatever happens, whatever comes out of it, you know, I know, I know every rule has a person's name attached to it. You know, and if anything comes out of this, I know that it'll be Jeff's rule, you know, or or whatever it ends up being. Um, But, uh, yeah, I know that it scares me. I mean, because you know what I do. I'm, you know, I'm on the camera or I'm on the the track with a camera. Um, Oftentimes I'm behind a Jersey barrier, but sometimes I'm not. Um, If you
2: hit those hard enough, they will move.
1: Oh, I know. I've seen it. I, well, I've seen the videos. I have not seen it happen in person. Thank the good Lord. Um, but uh, I know that uh, we had a diesel super probably five years ago out here in Iowa. No, maybe it wasn't even a diesel super. Might have been a pro stock. Might have even been a super form. I don't remember. Um, but he left with a good head of steam and something in the rear end broke and about 100, 150 feet. Uh, his tractor decided it was time to turn right, and there were, was no stopping it. And he he pretty much cracked a Jersey barrier or two at the North Iowa Nationals in Rockwell, Iowa. And that's a hook that I shoot every year. Um, it didn't happen on the night that I was there, but um, that's one that I shoot, and that's one that I help promote. And so I know that things can go wrong, and you know, to the best of our ability, we need. All of us as promoters and as um, track workers and, and the professionals who run the sleds and all of us, we all need to uh, do a better job of calling that stuff out. If we see somebody um, who's, you know, doing something that's, that's not right or what have you, we got to call that out. I don't right. care if I, I, I'm 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 I've gotten to the point where I'm an old fart enough that I don't really care if you're pissed off at me if I'm calling you out for doing your job and you know making or, or doing something for the safety of the event. If you're not doing that and you're supposed to be, I will let you know about it
2: right uh and you know it's fun to go do a ppl show ntpa show state level show whatever you know Organize, i I, I call it organized pulling but you get off the back road some some places and i'm sure wisconsin and Iowa is not any different than over here but yep. you go to some of these brush pulls and That's I'm, I'm so guilty of it sitting there in the cab and something will pull up the hook to the sled. And it's like, I cannot get my phone out of my pocket fast enough to get to Snapchat. Like you boys are not going to believe what I am looking at here right now. I love it. And I mean and and I'm sure that Schultz, that's probably got you some of that stuff's probably got as many views and comments as oh. as a as a four engine mod is something like the school bus pulling. I've had campers hooked to the front of the sled and, and everything else. But
0: I I call that internet gold when I see stuff right. like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So.
2: But you know, you go to the county fair truck pull and you start off and everything's going good. Well, by the time you get towards the end of the night, you know it's not organized pulling, you know, you're doing good if you got somebody to run the scales and get them in line to come to the sled. Well, then here comes some old boy wants to play hot rod and jumping and jerking and blowing smoke and everything. And, and come to find out, he's been back there in the, in the pits with his buddies, you know, in the, in the adult beverages for a little while, you know, that's when, that's when I lose my temper. There's no place for that. No. We don't, we don't want to, you know, we like to think it doesn't ever happen and by all means it shouldn't happen, but it's just like wrecks and blowups and everything else. Whether it's mechanical or human, sometimes it's just going to happen, I guess.
0: Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, accidents happen. And you just want to have it be where, you know, I saw a comment on that deal in Pennsylvania. Well, that's, that's what you get for having a sand pile there. There's not a sand pile there. There's a road or a ditch or somebody's car or a little kid walking. I mean, that sand pile. I mean, I know it destroyed everything, but at the end of the day, it's better than that thing. You know what I mean? Jumping a ditch or something else.
2: Yeah. Let's think about what might have happened if it wasn't there.
0: Yep.
1: Exactly. Or I guess if we're coming up with examples where it went badly, very badly um, from the drag racing world, but still tied to tractor pulling. Um, wasn't it Dan Scheid or his, uh, Dan Scheid's dragster that made a pass and, um, the, the shoot what, didn't go. Shoot no, didn't go? I think the shoot didn't, I think the shoot failed, which is a different thing, but the, the safety netting or something at the track didn't catch or it wasn't there and nobody, how they didn't realize it. I have no idea but um that thing went i mean that thing sailed on for freaking ever until it ended up you know nestled in between some trees and just torn to shreds
2: i don't remember whose vehicle it was but i do remember somebody having a bad wreck in diesel drag racing yep so that was was just in like the last year or two
1: yeah i know it was in it was in fairly recent memory um and I guess if we're talking about that, we can also talk about the safety aspects of um, uh, what happened at um, the with Sean Baca's shredder this weekend. <laughs> Did You guys see that yet?
0: Was that on the dyno?
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I haven't seen it yet.
1: Oh boy, it's um, that'll make your eyes uh, pop a little bit. He made uh, it was. Uh, Made, right, it was 2,900 and some horsepower before 2920 on, the first run 20 there before on, his, on his first
2: pull, and he it was the one before the it detonated. I don't know if it was the first one or not, but it was the last one it made in one piece, anyway. Exactly,
1: yeah. And and I remember reading a Facebook post that morning from Sean saying, I will do what it takes to make 3,000 horse on the dyno, and it'll happen today. Well, he did, he got within 80 horse. Um, they never got a, sl- and they never got a sensor on uh, a, a reading on uh, the that second pass. But boy, I'll tell you what, he launched the top half of that motor about four feet out of the truck, blew the windshield out, and a giant fireball. It, um, it actually uh, they uh, it, Cody and Sean both got out more or less safely. Sean's missing a little skin on his right elbow, but um could have gone a lot worse but um i think we're going to see some safety rules come out of that too um they didn't put those cables on the blocks of super stocks and pro stocks and you know anything and everything Mm -hmm. else jason does ours have uh, a cable on it
0: we have a cable correct
2: Yep. we have a cable rule right yep yeah what is it what is it jason anything with a turbo over like any diesel engine or any 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 turbo over three inches it has to have the think
0: anything over three i know for sure like when i was down in louisville i had to put extra um, sheeting uh, in my hood above my turbo i'd never done that before and after that then i put one of those covers on it so yeah that was in 17 but yeah no ours is if the motor goes she's going forward so
1: yep and that's and i and i see that happening i mean Charles Poche and I talked about that yesterday. Um that cable rule is coming
2: and none too soon. So we got Yeah, they do- don't they don't know if they're dragging fifty thousand pounds or going two hundred miles an hour. When she's had enough, she's had enough, even sitting yep. still. <laughs> yep. And
1: I mean, Sean, I mean, Sean goes for broke. He's he's not afraid to do that. And that's I mean good for him i don't have that kind of i don't have that kind of pair of stones um (laughs) i i i won't do that um but uh and i've lots of respect for the guy for for what he does and i know that right now as we speak he's probably sitting in a in a uh in front of a computer trying to figure out how he's going to put it back together and make it better than ever
2: yeah and like and make it not do that again
1: (laughs) yeah exactly but uh, I'm, I'm sure that we're going to see a cable rule out of that. And even more importantly, and this goes back directly back to tractor pulling, we're going to see um, mandates about how close spectators and quote unquote media people are to a vehicle on a track, on a pulling track, on a dyno, anywhere where it's running at full capacity. Because there were uh, people, there were people who could have caught pistons with their teeth and and there, but for the grace of God, they didn't. Um, but that's gotta stop. And and that goes for our sport too. We have too damn many people hanging out at the end of the track, uh, pullers alike, and pullers and fans and media people alike. We need to start putting some some rules down on that, and we need to start sticking to them.
0: Yeah, 100%. Right. Like what I saw this year, I saw, I've only been to three or four polls, and, you know, I went to Mountain City, announced that, and that obviously it was PPL. And, like, I used to give Christy and them crap, and, like, Kelly Elsin and all them, because I like, I go down on the track and do the videos, and Christy would always say to me, Jason, this isn't a brush pull. I don't want you zooming around with your live camera and stuff like that. And, you know, after, and I'd always give her crap, because I, I don't wear pants much. I just wear shorts and, you know, pair of tennis shoes, and she's right, you know. And, uh, Highland, Wisconsin is a perfect example, guys. It's a little town south of Richland Center. Normally, they'd have 500 people in attendance. And it would be a great little brush pull. And this year, no Badger State classes anywhere. So they had Badger State classes. I mean, were in the at the end of the track, there was 100 people at the end of the track, probably 450 feet out there, just sitting there in chairs and trucks. You know, and I that's the first thing I thought of when I watched that tractor go through the sand pile. And the announcers were hollering at them. And they actually stopped the pull until they said, so I think that person who pays the insurance, like Kelly Elsie and I announced Badger State polls for years, and she's like, Jason, you gotta announce that we're stopping this pool until there's people back up. And you just I love this sport way too much, and we all do, and we just gotta you know, you just unfortunately it takes something bad to happen for people to remember why we do what we do. You know what I mean?
1: It so, only takes once. Yep.
0: And it's just scary. So we're
1: one we are one bad accident away from the insurance premiums becoming so catastrophically or astronomically high that promoters just can't afford to do it because uh, not agree. because of, not because of the promotion costs or anything else or the, the, the whatever it's because they got to write a check for a bajillion dollars to the insurance company before the insurance man will sign off on the policy. Yep. And right. that cost has to go somewhere and it's going to end up in the, with the consumer. And consumers already complain about the high cost of of admission tickets. And I don't care what they say on, on any social media or any anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I'll keep paying it because I don't want to see my polling. You know what? Slap them with a $40 ticket and see what happens. Try it.
0: Right. It's well, not going to fly. No, You'll do it once and that's it. Yep, that's what it's going to take. Hey, Logan, um, I've got the chance to ride in the sled a lot with Brad and the Terminator sled up here in Wisconsin. And I'm just amazed at what he knows how to stop a a tractor or a truck. You know what I mean? What's your guys' mindset of like when the pan drops? Can you kind of walk me through like a show? Let's say you have some super farms, some four-wheel drive mod trucks, some super modified two-wheel drives, and some semis. What are you thinking throughout the evening? Like I was at Freeport one year, and uh, unfortunately, they had the pan drop the same spot in all four or five classes. And I, when I hooked with my one the last, last class of the night, it was like going through a damn ditch. You know what I mean? Like, where are people – like, where's your mindset with that and stuff like that? Like, do you have tech – like, are the tech people talking to you from these major associations? Like, you know, I, we always see you guys open the door and a flag officials talking to you or something like that. What kind of communication are you guys having?
2: Well, if we're not talking through the door, we're talking on the radio in the cab. Uh... So
0: you have – you're tied in with all that – you can hear everything on the track?
2: usually with with most or like with, if i go do a, a ppl champions tour show with with Mears and christie and everybody i have a radio in the cab and an old ed walker out there with uh brandon Bungart. now he got me my radio and done all the program frequencies and stuff um and then we got our same same type radio same frequency here at home for carolina pullers so that was the reason i got it so i could talk to our guys here at home and it just happened it was the same thing as, as john's radios but uh but yeah, if especially when you're at that level of pulling, you want you want as much input from people that that know what they're talking about as as anything. Um, and then there, I mean, I've had times that mirrors will ask me, you know, what's the track feel like? Well, it has a soft spot down there about 200 foot. So what are we going to do about that? You know, we'll see if we can get them a good head of steam and get across it and try to catch them on the other side. You know, yeah. um, and me and a few, a very there's about. Uh, five or six of us I guess uh, we're speed demons if we can get something to run 35 mile an hour and stop at 299 feet we're gonna try it and and I have before if it's if the track's right and the stars are all in alignment I've run a couple classes and like yeah this is gonna be good and come around to a good class, whether it's light pros, four ones, two wheel drives or whatever. And, and I'll be setting weights in the box and everybody will come up and they'll say, what do you think? And I say, tighten your shoulder straps, boys. We're going for a ride tonight. <laughs> and they say, or probably if they don't, if they've never been around me, they say, what's that mean? I'm like, look, <laughs> a 200 foot or 250 foot. Don't get chicken on me and let out. Now you stay in it. Yep. We're going to stop. And they'll come back around like, Man, well, you're right. We went and we stopped. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and That's I, awesome. I mean, it's fun. It's a challenge for us, especially, well, me especially. Uh, and I learned a lot of stuff, not necessarily even from Richard. I've learned it from other different types of sleds and different operators, of different companies. We, some of us are just buddies and we talk and we try something that works. And before you know it, everybody's tried it, but, uh, you know, it's fun the pullers most pullers enjoy it you'll have a few that won't of course uh the fans i think fans and promoters really seem to enjoy the speed uh just like anything else um but then on the other side of things maybe if we've all seen crashes where or we've seen people that'll Just like I was talking about letting out of the throttle, if they've hooked to a sled that they're not used to going that fast on at 250 foot, they may think, uh Oh, something's wrong. And they lift about the time the box hits and the pan drops. And they're like, man, I should have stayed in it. I could have won that thing. Or on the other hand, if the sled is broke, you know, if it's you're already at 250 foot and it's not hit you, if there's not much runoff room, there's not much time to get it together to get stopped. Um, And that goes back to us loose screws sitting behind the steering wheels of these sleds, I guess. Uh, I actually added my sled originally did not have this it had a pan drop switch in the cab and I could flip it and it would take the power away from the valve up there that holds the pan up and it would just put it in free float. Well, if something, if something malfunctioned with the clutch or something in the driveline somewhere broke and let's just say the box never did move. It's sitting back under the cab. Well, the vehicle pulling up on the front of the pan with the chain yeah you can put it in free float but if it's a hard track the bars are just going to scoot on top of the ground they're not going to do anything and you can slam on brakes and slide the tires and whatever i actually added a second switch to activate the down pressure the push down from the cab and especially on these flat sleds where all the engine and drive transmissions everything in the back of the sled anyway uh when the box is already sitting back there too you hit that switch and it'll set your push down off and it works pretty quick especially if you've got it tuned up right and the pressure's set right and it'll shove the back of the pan in the ground and it'll force those bars in the pan or in the ground but it'll also without the box being up there to hold the front of the sled down a lot of times it will actually raise jack the front of the pan up it may lift it up a foot off the ground and if you're running a tractor with a 20-inch draw bar and I raise the chain angle 10, 12 inches back there on my end, I might not dead stop you in your tracks. But the front end of your tractor is going to sit on the ground and your RPMs are going to go through the roof and you're going to let off the throttle thinking, what just happened behind right. me?
0: Yep. They bought. They bottom bought hooked me. They bottom hooked me. <laughs> right. right. Yep. So...
2: And, and even if it spins up real high, I mean, like I said, I don't want to tear anybody's stuff up, but just like pulling kill switches, you can pull a kill switch on a four one, you know, and it's more than likely, what's it going to do? Jason? It's going to suck the seals out of the turbo and probably yep. junk it. Yep. And yeah, that's an expensive turbo. But on not. the other hand, if I hadn't pulled your kill switch and we were about to run away and go through a wall or whatever, yep. had you rather be mad at me over a turbo or a whole tractor?
0: Yeah. Turbo all day. I wouldn't even be mad at you it's
2: all good and you know and it it happens i know hook guys get in a hurry unhook guys get in a hurry and a kill cable will get wrapped around a safety chain or something and something goofy happens and a kill switch gets pulled and something gets tore up whether it was anybody's fault or not you know yeah that sucks but at least it worked and it did what it was supposed to do
0: yes sir what's your favorite class to hook like what do you I don't want to. I don't want you to play favorites or whatever. But like, what do you enjoy hooking? Like you're like, wow, I got such and such class tonight. I really like that. Here's why. Tell us from a sled. What do you think?
2: Do I have to only pick one?
0: No, I mean, give me a general. <laughs> I mean, just uh... for the common fan. Like, like seriously, like when we interview sled people, these they, these get the most because nobody. I mean, half the people don't know what the pullers look like. You guys are up there in your little air conditioned cabs listening to eight track Statler Brothers with tenant windows,
2: so you know what I mean? Uh, what class?
0: What classes are fun, Logan? And you're like, I just love this because X.
2: Light supers and two-wheelers. Anything light with big power is fun, especially on now on a bad track, they're a headache. I hate them. But you get on a halfway decent track, or especially a good track, where they can just get up and absolutely fly, and it don't take much to just jerk you out of the ground at the other end. Now, that's a fun ride. Uh, And, of course, semis and mods and big alky supers, they just got enough to them that even on a bad track, as long as you don't completely miss the sled setting, they'll get up and go. Pro stocks. Uh, And all, I mean, all that's fun, anything that'll get up and run. But then up until three years ago, I never had paid hardly any attention to mini rods. And then Richard buys the mini sled and (laughs) he buys the thing and Vaughn takes it to Cloverdale, the first pull, first, first show ever with it. And me and Richard went and he took the truck and trailer thinking he was going to bring it home. Well, Vaughn didn't like this and wasn't done with that. He says, no, I'm going to take it back home. I ain't ain't ready for you to have it yet. And anybody that knows Vaughn, I mean, God love him. He's Vaughn. So he takes it back home. We got it at little Richard takes it back to the shop, and had we were scheduled to do Keystone with it that that spring, in March. And if anybody doesn't know Richard, he's a school teacher. <laughs> you wouldn't think about a guy who grew up on a farm and having a tractor pull on sleds to be a school teacher, but he is. He's taught for twenty. I think this is the twenty third year. He was anyway. He's a middle school teacher. Uh, so. At only they do test hooks on Wednesday night, and you have Thursday night, Friday night, and two shows Saturday. And uh, Richard calls like the week before. He says, hey, uh, can you be up here on Wednesday night at Harrisburg for for test hooks? I said, yeah, probably. Why? He says, well, I really don't need to miss two days of sc- or three days of school for this deal. He says, I'm just going to wait and, and come out Friday when I get out of school, and, and I'll just let you have Wednesday night and Thursday night. So, I'm thinking, okay, you just bought a $150,000 toy, and you haven't even run it yet. None of us know anything really about what to do with it. And I had never pulled anything, even a big sled, indoors. Uh, So, anyway, long story short, too late, as Uncle Larry would say. Uh. The Interstate Bunch has a 4,500-pound 4, small-block four-wheel drive truck class. They run 31-inch CPEX and stuff. They're pretty neat little trucks for what they are. Had them and some naturally aspirated mini rods. Well, we had to even get a farm tractor, one of Forrester's big tour around tractors in there, so I could pull it three times to check and make sure that the gears were right. You know, like 200-foot and 170, or one. I think it was 200 and 180 and 170 was top in the box and stuff. So they're all like, what do you want first a mini or a truck? And I said, well, give me a truck. If somebody's going to give me a heart attack. It might as well be something good right off the bat. <laughs> and I'll see if I can find the copy of the text message that I had sent Richard either that night or the next morning. Because I think if, if I didn't send it to somebody, when I sent it to him originally, he forwarded it to, I think about 200 more people just so everybody could laugh. And, That was the closest thing I think I've ever felt like being Wally Coyote strapped to an Acme rocket was that thing in that building straight towards the sand pile and the big concrete wall behind it. And when that was all asked, we took off and that the guys pulling the sled, they didn't know anything more about it than I did. Really. they never hooked to it. And I think it was Chris Ootsie. He took off and he might've rolled with it 10 foot and just smacked it to the floor and took off. Well, I mean, eyes got big, rectal muscles contracted, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> here we go. And I mean, I don't know how fast we, we didn't even have agrotronics in it yet, man. Took off down through there and I couldn't even, like I couldn't even see the truck. It's just all I can see is this sand pile. Like I'm counting grains of sand in the, in the beach and it's coming just over the roof of this truck. Like this is going to hurt, but I, I, I couldn't move. And I was like, wait for it wait for it it tripped and dropped and hit the push down and stuff and i actually stopped him i'll be 20 foot short of the sand that first run and when everything came to a stop it's like everything just relaxed and i think i screamed in the cab and nobody could hear me but after that first run i was good (laughs) but after that now a blown mini or anything that'll hook to that little sled and get up and do 30, 35 mile an hour—you, you're, you're doing thirty mile an hour a whole lot quicker. <laughs> you can pass the set. You can pass the hundred-foot flagman running thirty mile an hour if things are right. Wow,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> hey, speaking so, of minis, are you take? Are you going to Diesels and Dark Corners this fall? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. Robert Peters thought he said he had you coming down there. All right, cool.
2: Yep. Actually, I already took it down there one time in July, and we did some small block minis down there. Okay, awesome.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to fly down on Thursday. Down there, I'm going to come down and enjoy that. I'm trying to get Big Ryan to come with me.
1: Oh, I don't think you have to try real hard. I just need to uh, confirm, which, yep. I th- uh, which I think you can say that I am right now. because okay. I want to go down there. I've wanted to see that area for a long time. I've heard great things about that event. And I want to have a barley pop with Logan.
0: Yep. Well, we're going to. I'm going to fly you from Des Moines to a hot Atlanta, Ryan. So fair enough. And Bob's got a pickup for us, and we can stay at his house. And it's going to be a good time. So
2: when I hey, went Logan. down, when I went down in July, Bob gave us a pickup to go back and forth to the hotel with, and between him and the Merritt family that puts on the show, you—they're literally the definition of southern hospitality. You won't find any nice for people to deal with or get along with and it's everything's as nice as everything is it's just like so kind of laid back and relaxed until it's showtime. yep nice hey what can you what do you
1: remember about the grounds um what i have seen in the videos and and i'm asking for a specific reason but lots of trees lots of pine trees and stuff like that right or is there i mean is there much of a an area in the pits where, I mean, you can get to the air or cause I'm bringing a drone with me.
2: You should be. The, yeah, there are, I think there's actually pecan trees on the left side of the track down to there. Um, and there are lots of pine trees, but the pits are open. The staging area is open and I'm pretty sure there's a, a good straight open line down the track for a drone. Okay.
0: Ooh, that's sounds- a matter of fact.
2: I think there's been a drone there before. Done there some has
0: stuff. been. There has okay. been. But there hasn't been a beer money drone, so that's what we want to get up in the air. So right. We need to get, right. some, get some more. We're going to, next year, uh, Logan, we're going to put some cool, Ryan's going to get some, we're going to do some tractor zoom views, put some different GoPros on the Remedy, uh, you know, different different spots that people haven't seen before of a tractor going down the track. So I'm excited to get the old girl back out next summer. So
1: there you go. Yeah, Jason, I got asked probably another half dozen times when we were bringing the tractor back out.
0: Yeah, I said, I announced I was up in Brooklyn Saturday night. I said, I was broke this spring and my tractor was broke this spring and that's not a good thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I wrote Tony a check two weeks ago and the wheels are back in motion. So it's all good. It's all awesome. good. Yep. So we
1: don't we don't need to make use of a three-piece crank anymore. That's good.
0: No, no sir. No, sir.
2: I uh, tack it back together and make a mailbox stand out of it. There Not we go. Not a bad idea.
0: Not a bad idea. Sarah would, Sarah <laughs> would love that. My wife loves tractor pulling <laughs> so much as it is.
2: So. That'd go um, right in with your home homeowner's association.
0: Exactly. It? Exactly. <laughs> Logan, how many more pulls do you got this year with the sleds? Where are you heading next?
2: Mm, I have another just kind of a like a test and tune brush pull type thing here. The first weekend of October, I've got another – uh brush pull up in southwest virginia the second weekend of october and then i think that's actually it until georgia nice and unless it gets canceled again uh after Key- the weekend after keystone is always the mid-atlantic antique super pull and brad peters he's the guy in charge of the antique pull up there um uh, a real nice guy got some pretty hot running case tractors and last year we did it and well, 2019 we did it. And it was all one day on Saturday. There was like nine hundred and eighty hooks. And I think we started at eight o'clock Saturday morning and pulled till like three or four AM on Sunday morning, nonstop. Oh my god. So, right. So this year it was supposed to be two days and everything. And then COVID hit while we were at Harrisburg the first weekend and yep. you know, yep. canceled all that. So they're still, as far as I know, still planning to have it. I think, I don't even know the dates, the weekend before Thanksgiving, November something, another. So, we're still supposed to do that, and it'll be two tracks for two days, and we're taking two big sleds and the mini and all that stuff, unless unless something else happens to knock that off again.
0: Yeah, Logan, Ryan, and I need to put you on the Let's Grow Pulling Facebook page and have you do some videos and stuff when you're in the shop with the sled and different things like that, because you're in a, you're you're in a part of the country. We don't have a lot of coverage on. So I'd be really, if you don't mind helping us out when you can, that'd be neat. So let people know where you're going and stuff. So.
1: Well, Hey, and now's as good a time as any Logan. I know you just put up, um, uh, a video and started your own YouTube channel I think you should probably pimp that Just a little bit here
2: <laughs> well, Where can we find you? Uh I'm, I'm just Logan Thomas on YouTube for now Um My Instagram and everything My Snapchat, I've always been Sled Driver 1 And uh that's how I've done the intro to this I, I did that, it's a 12 minute video And it's just, you, know, you never see my ugly mug I'm all behind, the, I just done it on my cell phone Because I didn't really know how to, I don't have a camera I don't have none of that other stuff, nothing fancy but I just done like a step-by-step video. A lot of times we would get asked about how do you take a sled down the road from one pull to the next. So I did a step-by-step video of that, of unhooking the sled from the truck, getting ready to pull. Um, and Jess, I blame Jesse Post for it because uh, we got the idea there last year. He did. One of us did. To put the GoPro in the mm-hmm. sled cab behind my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And look at it from that way. And I think a lot of people liked it. Uh, I've got. To, I'm going to do some more stuff explaining this and that and the other. My next one, I, I think I want to do is like all the what every single switch, control button, everything in the sled cab does. And now that it's sitting there in the yard, unhooked, I can actually hit it. Like if I hit the pin push down or something, I can show you what it does sitting in the seat. It's not just flipping a switch and watching an idiot light come on. <laughs> so
0: no that that'll be neat people will really that'll really be a like cool that. video yeah make sure you make sure we share that for you so but, as we will
2: yeah I, I i joked a lot about especially i won't name any pullers in particular but i joke with them you know I was like you guys do sure do spend a lot of time and money on these vehicles and going hauling up and down the road and going to pulls and you come up here and want to know how many weights i'm going to run what gear and this that and the other for one track to the others you guys to spend as much time and energy as you do on your vehicles, you don't know jack squat about this thing that you've got to pull further than the other guy to win. Mm-hmm. just joking around. No, so, you're,
0: you're right though. I mean, I think some of the best pullers, I mean, we all have same turbos and pumps and stuff like that. And, you know, we're all within a hundred horsepower of each other. It's the, I mean, typically the best drivers read the track and know what to do. And they watch where your pan comes off and, How you you know what your whole shot looks like? If you can pick that pan up for an extra ten feet, keep it off the ground, get a little more momentum. You know, if you don't shove it open right away, I've seen a lot of different styles. You see so much, Logan, from the announcer stand. You'd think I'd be a better driver, but you know, (laughs) I get I get a little impatient when I'm sitting on the seat. So Uh,
2: I understand that. So what's the wildest ride
1: story? Then we promise we'll let you go.
2: Hmm. Would probably, well, as a, as a general coverage to that statement, it would probably involve somebody from the state of New York with the last name Everman and either a, a K rail or a Jersey barrier wall.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Wow. Sharon and Henry and even David there for when I first started going up and doing a lot of NYTPA shows, it's it seemed like if I ever got parked on top of a wall, it was one of those three that did it. That put you there, huh? Yep. Nothing nothing ever bad or tore up. Tore I think I tore one mud flap a couple inches one night that uh some scuffed up paint, where's that I don't necessarily count that. But uh yeah, just Something getting squirrely and turn you sideways, and uh,
0: that fishtail effect—that's what. Oh my god, it scares the crap out of me more than anything. With you guys, you know, get on a <laughs> wide, get on a wide fifty, sixty-foot track, and have somebody, you know, go from side to side and then try to keep it in bounds. That's scary, 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 scary.
2: Uh, it's that's what that's what keeps me awake some nights.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. So. 71 minutes guys this is our longest podcast ever so we're
1: uh yes, but it didn't yes. feel,
0: that didn't feel like an hour and 10 minutes at all that was awesome logan thank you
1: so. yeah we appreciate it buddy i when we got to talking about this yesterday i said um there's only one of and there and there's only one or two people who i uh, who i knew that i wanted to have talk and i knew that one of those guys is already probably mired up and thinking about what he's going to do to make sure that Nothing ever, nothing like this ever happens on his watch. And I know that because I was talking to him on Saturday night and that was Brandon Bungart. Right. Um, And uh, I knew you and I knew that you and I had had some, uh, some good talks here and there. And I also knew that you're not one to shy away from uh, setting
2: somebody straight and setting the record straight. Uh, Only when somebody tries to talk about something that they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Right. That's just a pet peeve of mine. That's like I told you guys, I, I'm not going to sit here and and tell you that oh such and such has got to be this way. If I'm not a hundred percent sure about it, I'm probably going to try to keep my Uh, mouth shut uh, or I'm going to tell you, you know, I don't know for this for sure.
0: Well, that's why people like you. So,
2: Yep, that might be why some and, people don't and like because I, don't...
1: I knew that you you could get fired up about something because I remember one of the I know you're a pretty even tempered guy, but I have seen you get fired <laughs> depends up on
2: who you ask.
1: Well, I've seen you get fired up on on just only one occasion and I can't remember what in the heck it was, but somebody was was hot rodding and and dragged you off of the track and i remember a a tirade from you on social media the likes of which i thought oh my goodness what happened to him and (laughs) i kind of think it was up a state or two north of you and i kind of think it might have been one of those uh big gas trucks And they, Mm, it could have been, I. they got to going a little sideways and cockamamie and they didn't care. And they were going to have, they were going to have fun and they knew they were going to run out and they figured, you know what, may as well have some fun. And they pretty much took you with it. And I think I even may have seen video of it and, and, uh, you had a pretty good point there about being, uh, you know, you were righteously angry. Let's put it that way.
2: I. (laughs) Depends on how late the night is and how much everybody's drug around that night to how long my fuse is some days. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. We probably all have those days. Fair enough. But uh, above I mean, above all, like I said, I mean any anybody that I know personally as far as running a sled, I can't really sit here and name you anybody that I think is better or worse than the other, or any more irresponsible or whatever than the next we all we all like what we do and above all we don't want we don't want anyone's equipment or stuff tore up and we absolutely do not want anyone hurt because just like you said ryan this we're one bad accident away from having a bunch of expensive yard ornaments yep and never doing this again. just like yeah we're in the same boat as as NASCAR, I don't even want to mention them, but, but any other form of motorsport, I guess. Yep.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. So, Ryan, Logan, thanks for joining us on Let's Grow Pulling. And I'll have this up on iTunes in a couple hours. And, uh, Logan, thank you for your honesty and your time. And Ryan and I really, really appreciate it.
2: No problem. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. sir. Have a great evening. You too. See ya. Yep,
0: bye. bye.